handoff to Jonathan oh. Taylor. Hughes hole. He's at the 30. He's going to go. 10, 5, touchdown. Jonathan Taylor made a man miss the line of scrimmage and then runs it into Pater. And a one-handed INT. Are you kidding me? Kenny Moore. What a play by Naheem Hines. Yo, what's up, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Real quick before we begin this episode, want to send my prayers and condolences to the Ellinger family. In case anyone didn't happen to hear over the last few days, uh, Sam Ellinger, who the quarterback that we just drafted, his brother was uh, found dead in Austin, Texas. Still, they're checking out the details or whatever. But nevertheless, I uh, wanted to say a quick prayer and condolences to his family during this difficult time and to him. Uh, that's obviously something I couldn't imagine. Hopefully, Sam's able to find closure. Oh, and he's back home with his family currently, you know, having a. Uh, talking about it, seeing through all that stuff. So just wanted to give a quick uh, prayer and condolence to the Ellinger family. Just know Colts Nation is behind you 100%. We hope that everything continues to be okay and we're with you during your uh, time of grief. But anyways, guys, to continue now with the video. So with the title of this video, basically I'm just going to be talking about some of the players who were positively and negatively affected by the uh, draft that we just had. I can't list every player that would be positively or negatively affected by this, but I'll mention the first person who is positively affected by this draft specifically is Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz got a new offensive weapon and Kylan Granson, who we just had the pleasure of interviewing. He is a phenomenal athlete. You saw how Frank Reich just loved that Kylan Granson was there in the fourth round. They were ecstatic to get him. You know, it makes a lot of sense that, you know, Wentz is getting another weapon and pretty athletic weapon too at that. And, you know, obviously Michael Strachan, uh, or Strawn, apparently it's Strawn. That's apparently what it's people have been saying, but Michael Strawn, people have been mentioning whether or not he's going to even get a spot. doesn't really matter. It's still a good pick nonetheless. So Carson Wentz, we obviously know a weapon here, a potential weapon in the future. That's a good option there. And then the second group of people, it's a pair here that are most affected by this draft, and that is DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. Okay. Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner, two guys on our interior that have been phenomenal this last year. They helped the Colts to become one of the best run defenses in the league. On top of that, DeForest Buckner with, I believe it was nine and a half sacks. So he was doing really well. With the additions of Quiddy Pay, you have that duo of potential edge guys who you know, who are now going to take a lot of stress off of those two specifically. 
Quiddy Pay and Dio Odangbo are both really good at defending against the run. They've both done that really well in college, and they also get after the passer. That's something that the Colts have desperately been looking for on the edge for a long time. And Quiddy Pay now offers a Quiddy Pay for the moment offers the best edge possibility for the uh, pass rush. So, you know, that takes double teams away from a couple of those guys in the middle, you know, helps with the run defense, everything. So DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart got to be really happy with these two guys. No question about it. Some honorable mentions here, some guys that, you know, could, you could kind of look at what the Colts didn't do in the draft and kind of say these guys are thankful that the Colts didn't do something. One of them is Rocky Asin, okay? Because Colts Nation, we've been saying for a lot of this offseason, do the Colts address cornerback, right? We've been saying cornerback's one of the needs here. And, you know, because we don't know how Rocky Asin is going to do. We don't know how how our depth's going to be, but it's showing you that they still have faith in Rocky Asin. They still have faith in this de- in the depth of this group that they don't feel they need to address that spot as much, which, you know, again, is positive for Rocky Asin because they didn't feel the need to attack that position. And another guy that you could kind of say is Paris Campbell. Now, granted, I know it's only his third year and, you know, with injuries taking a part of that. But then again, you know, that's how a lot of guys have their careers end, unfortunately, for a lot of that reason, and especially some of them when they're young. But the Colts not addressing the wide receiver spot early showed that, you know, they still have really good faith in Paris Campbell and what he can potentially bring. They have faith in this wide receiver group as it stands with T.Y. Hilton at the helm and then Zach Paschal and then obviously Paris Campbell and a few other guys into the mix that really can do a lot of good. And Michael Pittman in there as well. You know, like you can mix it all up. So those are some of the honorable mentions for guys that I think are positively impacted by what the Colts didn't necessarily do in the draft. And that was the list of the guys that were positively impacted by what the Colts did in the draft. Let's talk about a few of the guys that are negatively impacted here by the draft. Okay. Now, granted, I'm not saying that these guys are going to lose their jobs. I'm not going to say that they're going to drop off in performance anyway. I'm just saying based off what the Colts did, it puts a lot more pressure on them or takes away snaps versus the opposition, right? So first guy that I'd like to mention is Jack Doyle, okay? I mentioned Carson Wentz being positively impacted by a new tight end coming in. But now a new tight end comes into the block. Kylan Granson, Jack Doyle might lose some snaps. And here's why I think that. Again, Jack Doyle's age, he's getting older, right? His ability to be a playmaking wide receiver as a tight end, those days are are not there at, at all. I mean, he can make some plays, but it's not like he's going to create his own play anymore, at least not from a severely athletic standpoint. Now, granted, I don't think that Jack Doyle is going to lose a spot on the roster. I don't think that that's what's necessarily going to happen, but I believe 
Jack Doyle's receiving targets continue will continue to go down even further. Because, you know, we talked about Moali Cox. Moali Cox last year led the tight ends in touchdowns or in uh in yeah, in touchdowns and in catches. So Moali Cox might lose a few, but Moali Cox is still gonna find time in the offense because I think the Colts still want to try to use him as a true number two tight end. But Jack Doyle's receiving stuff, I think, is going to go down a lot due to what Kylan Granson's able to provide. That's just me. Now, we talked about DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart being happy that Quiddy Pay and Odangbo are coming into town and what that future could provide for the edge rush department. Now, we talked about the interior of the defensive line. We got to talk a little bit about the defensive line on the outside and the edge guys and what edge guys might lose their their time from these two, right? Ben Banigou. You know, Ben Banigou, we've had on the uh, podcast before. Great guy. You know, unfortunately, last season didn't really go his way. You know, had a lot of troubles with, you know, the with the practicing. It was a healthy scratch for a lot of it. Don't know the full details on that specifically. Have to ask Eberflus on that. But, you know, Banigou went from, you know, Banigou was a second-round draft pick, guys. He was a second-round draft pick, and he was, you know, a highly athletic guy coming out of TCU. Had a lot of great plays, you know, and was had a semi-role in the first season. You know, had a couple plays here and there that really helped out. And then in the second season, Banigou just wasn't around a whole lot. You know, and and then Kamoko Ture is another name that's brought up. Now, I would say Taekwon Lewis in this a little bit, but in my opinion, Taekwon Lewis is ahead of Kamoko Ture in resume and pedigree at this point. I know that Kamoko Ture and and Taekwon Lewis are both in that same kind of area, but Taekwon Lewis went from a potential scratch-off in training camp last year to being in a good role player for the Colts in last year. Ture was hurt all last year for the most part, came back and had one good play throughout the last half of the season. You know, it's just like how many of these guys, I know the Colts really like to have depth at the defensive line position, especially at the edge rush. So I don't anticipate any one of these guys to lose their jobs right now. I'm just stating for the record, who's going to lose time from this? Who could? I mean, Odangbo's not going to take anybody's playing time for right now. Odangbo's got to have the half of this first half of the season, most likely, before he's ready to go and play in the NFL, right? He's going to come back from that Achilles. Might even have to take longer than that. Who knows? But Quiddy Pay takes time away from both of those guys. And who's going to take the other side? Who's going to do this? I have no idea. And an honorable mention here, and this is going to piss a lot of you off, a lot of you Eason fans off, but I'm going to say it anyway. Jacob Eason, honorable mention here. A player that is negatively impacted by what the Colts did here. Don't forget, Colts drafted Sam Ellinger. They drafted another quarterback in the sixth round. Okay? How do I say this to make it sound professional in a way? Sam Ellinger, when they described him, 
was that they described him as a great locker room guy, having the intangibles, being the guy that can lead men, you know, being a leader, being mentally and physically tough, doing all these things. I may not remember what Ballard specifically said about Eason last year, but Eason, you know, He's still in the system, and he's still the number two quarterback right now. I'm not saying that, oh, Ellinger just jumps him. No, I'm not saying that. I'm stating simply that Sam Ellinger is a different kind of quarterback that I think the Colts would like to utilize more than what they did with Jacob Eason. Okay? While Ballard may feel the same way about Eason as he does Ellinger, he wasn't as quick to bring up those points that he did Sam. So, therefore, you know, do I think that Sam Ellinger will take Jacob Eason's spot at some point? I don't know. I really don't know. But am I saying it's not a possibility? Listen, Jacob Eason wasn't the star, wasn't the guy this last offseason. You think if the Colts really loved what they had in Jacob Eason? That they would have just went and got Carson Wentz? No. They went and got Carson Wentz because they weren't ready to put it in Jacob Eason's hands. Weren't ready to do that. And they said he still has time. Sam Ellinger has to have time. So who breaks that barrier first? So those were players, guys, that were positively and negatively impacted by the draft based off my expectation. What do you guys think in the comments? Let me know who you think personally was affected positively and negatively by this draft and what they were able to do. Let me know what you guys think. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And as always, go Colts.